0: Welcome to the Cooperative Bank podcasts.
1: Recently, the first cohort of young activists took part in Amnesty International UK's Rise Up Youth Activism Training Programme, supported by the Cooperative Bank. The year long campaigning and advocacy programme will equip young activists with the skills, knowledge, and confidence they need to make positive change happen in their communities. Maria Kearns, the Cooperative Bank's Managing Director of Current Accounts and Savings, has been a long time member of Amnesty International, and recently, Maria started an Amnesty Action Group for bank colleagues but involving herself in activities that fight for human rights started long before Maria began her career in the bank. Gaining the skills, knowledge and confidence to make positive change is very much a part of her, and she joins us now to talk about that. Maria, welcome.
0: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
1: We're going to learn more about you in this podcast, but let me start by asking you to sum yourself up In just three words, just to give us a flavour of what to expect.
0: Ooh, Um, interesting. So I think I would say, on the whole, I am positive. So that would be one of my words. I think I try very hard to find the best that I can out of situations, out of people. Um, I think most people would probably say I'm relatively glass half full. I think my second word, I am forthright. I think my grandma used to describe me as not behind the door, which is uh, probably a bit of an Irish expression for quite opinionated. And finally, my third word would probably be driven. And I think that's because I really enjoy that process of gathering together all the information, organising things and really delivering something that makes a difference. So I feel like that's something I enjoy in work and outside of work.
1: So that's given me a bit of a flavour of the real Maria now. (laughs) If I can take you back a few years now, it, it, it seems that human rights have always been close to your heart. What was the first ever memory you have of being an advocate?
0: Well, interestingly, I can remember being at primary school and we would doing mock elections at school. And I've kind of naturally decided my standpoint was gonna be the leader of a party and that party was gonna make everything fair. And I can remember having this fairness kind of seam to my personality from a really early age where hierarchy, much as I can now see the value and importance didn't seem to matter to me because everybody had to have a fair chance. And I think that's probably always stayed with me.
1: Interesting, you could also remember back to to that point and you can visualise you being in school. I
0: can remember really clearly. I can remember standing up at around eight or nine and being quite forthright at that age. I was probably a nightmare, if I'm honest. (laughs) I'm sure my siblings would would reiterate that. <laughs> so
1: human rights, human rights issues, how would you describe human rights?
0: So I think human rights are quite um, straightforward because I should probably put a rider out there in that I'm a member of Amnesty and, and Amnesty's always been part of my background. So I'm kind of very aware of that whole view of the kind of universal declaration of human rights, which just says really basic things, which people should, as a right, expect love and freedom and the ability to choose uh, the path of their, their own life. And that seems so innately sensible to me that any idea that curtailing human rights just just feels alien, feels really wrong and something that we should all be always doing something about.
1: How do you feel then when you see or hear somebody who is, is obviously not well-educated in human rights?
0: Well, I, I, I think education in human rights doesn't really matter to me because I think if you were to speak to a mother at any point in any economic background anywhere in the world what they would want for their child would be exactly the same. And I think, to some extent, that is human rights. Um, And I think somehow that gets twisted and confused and tied up into decisions about power, whereas I think, you know, it sounds very glib, but that kind of love is a human right is it. That kind of ability for everybody to be able to choose their own destiny is life.
1: You mentioned Amnesty International. What was your first memory of the discovery of that organisation for you?
0: So I can remember Amnesty coming into my school and doing presentations about uh, human rights. And I can remember being quite taken with the idea that there was an organisation that this was the thing that was important so I've always kind of known it was there and when I was much younger I was a very active member of Amnesty International That, that waned through ...changes in my life rather than anything else. And I've always maintained membership. I just never had a kind of active membership element to it. So the first memory of Amnesty was definitely when they came into school. And I can remember a a slightly elderly lady... ...talking about what was happening in other places around the world. And in that way that you can only really have in your kind of tweens... ...where you are genuinely taken aback... ...that people have these terrible experiences... And, you know, I can remember Amnesty International really resonating with me.
1: In what way resonating, though?
0: Well, because it felt like an organisation that really cared about people. And I can remember thinking, this is something that's quite important. And I was quite political growing up, so I I did politics at A-level and I, I felt very strongly, as many teenagers do about what's right and what's wrong. And Amnesty always felt like it was on the same side as me on some of those thoughts, which is politically, we should all try to improve everybody's lot. So, yeah, Amnesty's always meant quite a lot.
1: It's as though it's influenced you as well.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think so. I think so.
1: Talk about influencing. um, We're all influenced by someone's actions. Who influenced you? What person in particular influenced you from an early age?
0: parents, so probably my mum and grandparents were key influences, because their approach to life, relatively religious, and I think I took from that the sense of trying very hard to make a positive impact in the world you live in, Uh, and so I think they did really influence um, how I think about things. Um, And I know even now my mum is not impressed with job titles or salaries or anything of that nature. It doesn't impress her. What impresses her is what you are doing to help other people. So I think that kind of runs quite strongly through me. And actually I think I was very influenced by a politics tutor I had at A-level who was just a massive believer in direct action. I mean, he was in the ideal job because he was surrounded by very excitable teenagers. And I think sometimes the mix between that, you've got to do something. It's really easy to passively agree, but actually, sometimes you've actually got to take a step and you've got to to do something to prove that you're not just watching.
1: Sometimes it's the fighting for human rights, though, by by being active... Can it in itself be a, a difficulty? Can't it?
0: Yeah, and it's really hard. It's really hard. I, I think that in some ways, I'm much as I say. I'm quite forthright. I'm probably quite conservatively forthright in that. Even when I look at some of the cases you'll see through Amnesty, there are some cases I think Ooh, people might not like that. People might not might not agree with that. Some of those ones could be considered relatively political. And actually, maybe we should just stick to the more normal, the the ones that are kind of slightly more black and white. And even there, I think, you know, I need to hold a mirror up to myself and say, maybe you need to be a bit more challenging. Maybe you need to be a bit braver in those choices. But then I, I kind of, I suppose hand myself some relief in that at least i'm having some thoughts of that nature but i I think human rights can move into a political space and can be quite edgy and i think we should absolutely be there with it and i think i should be there with it because if we're not we're kind of no better than all of those millions of people who acknowledge it and don't do anything
1: I always think of sort of banner waving, getting out there, being on the street, doing positive action. Well, what do you reckon is the sort of banner you think the teenage Maria would have waved around?
0: <laughs> um, I, I think it would probably have been something around fairness and equality so I'm a gigantic feminist as I'm sure is no surprise to anyone and I think it would have been a banner around giving everybody the same chances not making judgments about people and I think the older maria would probably wave a banner about kindness because I think it fundamentally all comes down to kindness and it's the least appreciated but most important quality humans can have because it seems so benign and and passive and actually it's huge and transformational and it's the word you tell your children to be but it's the word we should each tell each other to be because mm. maybe if everybody was slightly kinder we wouldn't need to be members of Amnesty International.
1: And also a hug goes a long way.
0: A hug goes a long way. I'm not sure it's the most um, inspiring banner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could be quite interesting, though, as a, as a banner. Yeah,
0: um, it's cool to be kind. <laughs>
1: uh, it's, very, it's very 60s-ish, though, isn't it? Is, doesn't
0: yeah, it does <laughs> not it its It makes me sound like some old hippie, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> it, it seems to come quite naturally to that's so that's very obvious. But how difficult has it been for you to sort of inspire others with your values?
0: So I think I work in the best bank for me because I think, as with a lot of people, I think the bank's ethics and values really, really run parallel to my own. So I think for that reason, it's been really easy for me to feel like I fit and to feel like I work in a family environment where lots of people share my ethos. Not only that, I think that the customers that I speak to and the customers that I help feel the same as well. So actually, it feels like a a very brilliant echo chamber of kind of great thoughts. So I don't feel as though I need to persuade many people. And actually, I set up the Cooperative Bank Amnesty Group. If I was going to be perfectly frank, had expected there to be basically a handful of people um, in the canteen, most of whom work for me. And then actually, I, I kind of wandered down a couple of minutes late and was overwhelmed by the kind of hordes of people who'd attended the group. And, and that's really powerful. That's, that's kind of the piece that makes you realise this bank is absolutely brilliant. Because I kind of guarantee there's not another bank in the UK that has hordes of people joining its amnesty group.
1: How about your friends? you talked about your colleagues, but what about your friends and your family? Would they follow you equally into such an escapade?
0: Yeah, I think they would. I think you often have friends and family who think very similar to you. And actually, I think that's sometimes part of the challenge in life, is to make sure that you are getting enough input from enough wide groups of people, so you don't all end up just thinking the same. And that you get this kind of very slightly arrogant view that your way is the right way and that because you think you're standing for something that's important, that it actually is important. And, and the thing I would be most fearful of is that my ethical standpoint, can I call it that, M- my kind of positioning is of no value, doesn't do anything. It's just it's just posturing. It's not, it's not actually improving anything. And I think that's sometimes a worry when it all becomes your friends and family and colleagues.
1: So we're getting a really good picture of, of Maria here. You're a, you're a, you are a fighter, you're a feminist, you, you, you want to be more active than, than passive. How would you describe yourself from a, from a fighter point of view? What kind of fighter are you?
0: I do fight for what I think is right, so I'm definitely no pushover. I also don't enjoy conflict, so I definitely wouldn't want to fight for the fights, but I would be very happy to if I felt I needed to. Would that be a reluctant fighter? Sounds
1: just still powerful fighter, this is.
0: (laughs) Reluctantly powerful fighter. Um, I definitely don't do it for the fight. That's not... That's never been my style.
1: I suppose we all like to sort of wave the the metaphorical wand, don't we? And and bring a wish to life. So what would you like to happen in the world if you had that wand?
0: I would like everything to be fairer. I would like everybody to have a chance. The things that... Really, really saddened me is when you realise there are people all over the world whose destiny is predetermined before they've even entered existence. It is clear where they will get to and how far they can go. And that's the bit that I would love to be able to change. And I think Amnesty does a great job in doing that, but I think it'd be great if there was no need for an amnesty. There was no need for all of these organisations because things were fairer for people.
1: Well thank you so much for joining us on this uh, Cooperative Bank podcast. Just before you do go though what what words of advice would you now give that younger Maria?
0: <laughs> I think I would say go harder and go faster.
1: The Cooperative Bank for people with purpose.